Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Anya Crittenden, associate editor at The Tracking Board, and with me, as always... Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area. And Hai Chen Bui, a writer for Slash Film and Tracking Board and a pop culture journalist in D.C. So today, we're going to be talking about a beloved TV show of ours. Um, it's, in fact, Willoughby's favorite TV show, so I'm going to be handing it off to him to speak about Chuck. Yes. So, I'm going to begin with a quote from the series finale. It started with a guy who worked at Bymore, and then one day, an old college friend of his sent him an email that was filled with secrets, and then the next day, his life really changed when he met a spy named Sarah, and he fell in love. That's basically the summation of the pilot of the show for Chuck, and it really is like a good series of, uh, a good summation of what you can say for what Chuck is. It's a guy, it's about a show, this nerdy guy who works at a, a Best Buy type, and his old college friend, who's also a spy, sends him this intersect of information in which these coded images are, are he looks at these coded images and, is, and they're imprinted onto his brain, and then he can flash on things, like if he looks at a piece of paper that had inform- has information on it, he can somehow figure out that you know, relevant information A, to the plot, and B, to like what's happening like, there's a general who's coming into town or something where they're, you know, necessary information for the plot, for the for the missions and he meets this cast of characters uh, played by Yvonne Strahovski as Sarah Walker, the uh, gorgeous CIA agent who comes into his life and they fall in love and then there's uh, John Casey who is the NSA operative uh, who uh, is kind of like on opposing sides to the CIA like they're not really playing well together Um, and they form Team Bartowski and they uh, run around solving uh, spy missions and there's a great cast of supporting characters that we'll get into Um, but it's a great action drama romantic comedy that you really don't see Chuck is a very unique show. Mm-hmm. It there's really nothing else like it, or before or after or while it was happening. It didn't, it never made a great rating, so there was never any copycats. It was always on the bubble of being canceled. It was such a niche show that really the only people who appreciate it were the diehard fans. Um, and then it got canceled after five seasons. Luckily, it had a gorgeous send off, and uh, now. In September, it'll be 10 years since the premiere premiered. Yeah, so it ran so, from 2007 to 2012, right? Yep, and I remember where I was for every episode. <laughs> yeah, Willoughby and I actually um, bonded over Chuck when we first met in college. Like, yes. we bonded over Lost, and then we would watch uh, episodes of Chuck together because I told him I'd only watched the second season of Chuck. And he was right, like, and we were in the middle of the third season at yeah, the time. Yeah, at the time, no, the fourth. It was the, the fourth, fourth season, season that was airing because, at the time. Yeah, and so we went. I think you had you were all cut up on the third, and mm-hmm. you we went back and watched the second because I had the DVDs. Right, the first and second because we were the first like, and yeah. second. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was one of the first things we ever talked about was Chuck. Mm-hmm. So that's adorable. Yeah, it was. It, I, Chuck is a great like immediate recognition of like who your friends will be if they like the show. <laughs> yeah, it's um, a fun. It's a really fun action comedy show that never really takes itself too seriously, and that's why it was just such a 
really refreshing show at the time. This, you know, outside of all the um, procedurals and you know, dark prestige dramas that were kind of starting to take place, this was just a fun action comedy spy show, sort of in the vein of Get Smart in a way. I think a lot of it was very influenced by that. Yeah, but Get Smart was much more satirical mm-hmm. in its in its way portraying of spies. This was kind of like it was it was very funny and very humorous, but never really like made fun of what it was being. Like the CIA was like an efficient agency uh, for the most part, mm-hmm. um, except when it was uh, in, in, infested with bad guys, like Brandon Routh's character. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, this show is very near and dear to my heart. And I'm really glad it exists. It's my favorite show of all time. Um, so, yeah. Let's get into it, guys. <laughs> so, Anya, yeah. what are your thoughts on Yeah, what are your thoughts on Chuck? I really like Chuck. I watched it uh, when it was airing. I think I probably... I think I came in a little bit late, so I, like, caught up and then started watching live with everyone else. Um, it was definitely the type of show that all my friends watched. Um, and so I, you know, per their recommendations. Um, this was back... This was back in my like live journal days, um, so all my like all my LJ friends watched Chuck, um, oh and so I got into Chuck, and I really liked it. Like you guys said, it's really fun. Um, I like kind of its unabashed nerdiness, and it's just a really positive show. And so I and I really liked a lot of the characters. Um, and so yeah, I really liked Chuck. I'm glad that like the fan support for it kept it going on its last legs for mm-hmm. a little bit longer before its inevitable end. Um, but I remember I actually wrote a paper in college. I did an independent study um, on fandom and TV. And in my final paper, I talked about Chuck um, and the fact that like the fans kept it going uh, when it was on the bubble for a little bit longer. Actually, yeah. its struggles um, is kind of relevant today because um, it the writer's strike took place, I think, after the first season of Chuck aired, um, while they were writing the final, the, the final couple episodes for the script for yeah. season one, if you go back and watch season one, there really is no finale. Mm. It just kind of ends, mm-hmm. and then they pick up in season two with kind of not a reboot of the show, but just like kind of it just throws you back into into the the whole scenario. Um, and basically, I mean, I think they reworked the. The episode, the last episode, to be sort of a finale, mm. but like it really, I think it was supposed to have a full, full twenty-two episode season, and it didn't get that. It only got thirteen, um, and that was because of the writer's strike, which happened. At least writer. Chuck had a life, though. Pushing Daisies effectively <laughs> Pushing got Daisy's canceled because of the strike. So really like, oh, yeah. nothing will ever be as tragic yeah. as, the fir- as that writer's strike and Pushing Daisies. Yeah, that. The writer strike really hobbled a lot of great shows that were happening at the time. Pushing Daisies is the biggest victim, and I will never be over it. But Chuck, luckily, like, because of the love of the fans, um, was able to make it through and lasted another four seasons, which was really nice. But yeah, mm-hmm. I say this because um, there's another writer strike that's a Bruin. The WGA is about to. Um, is we'll about find to out tomorrow. Oh yeah. Yeah, when this airs, there may be a strike. Yes. By the way, we, yeah. the, the <laughs> we are recording. recording this a week early, so we're talking about mm-hmm. the strike because it hasn't been decided yet. Mm-hmm. Um, most people are saying that it probably won't at this point in time, but by the time this goes up, we'll know for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So. And and Chuck was also 
airing at a time when Netflix and Hulu were not picking up shows that were dying. Mm-hmm. Um, so the last season aired. Netflix wasn't doing anything original at that time. They no, were. it wasn't. Okay. It, so it was it. Uh, the first shows were Arrested Development and House of Cards and Orange is Orange is the New Black. When that was in 2013, so a year after Chuck fina- uh, Chuck's finale. Um, so there was always talks of a movie after it aired, or you know, coming back for like a revival because that was kind of sort of being a new thing. Like revivals were really starting to become a thing, but on network television still, like new like the streaming shows have not had not picked up picked up shows yet. So I'm just wondering, like in a world in which Netflix picking up shows exists if Chuck would have been saved, if NBC would have cut it loose and given it to Netflix or Hulu. I wonder Um, if it should have because I think Chuck has a really lovely finale and I don't think it should continue. Oh, I I agreed that I loved the the finale is wonderful and it's slightly open-ended and you know, you get it, you you can make of it what you will. Um, I think I think if it's done right I like it, but I don't it doesn't need more television series. Have we had a good revival though? Because we had Gilmore Girls, which didn't do, which wasn't good. We had Fuller House, which doesn't do good. We had X Files, which Not was good. universally panned, even though it got picked up for a second season recently. You know, now they've announced Roseanne, Will and Grace, Twin Peaks coming. Yeah, we've and we haven't really had a good revival of a show, and I wonder. And because people talk about reboot culture all the time, and I think it's very different for movies and TV. Mm-hmm. And I think movies yeah. benefit from reboots more than TV shows do. Well, I think there's also with Chuck there's a there's like a statute of limitations with TV shows. Um, you I know agree. the Mindy po- the Mindy Pot the Mindy Project was picked up immediately after Fox canceled it, so it didn't have this break. You know it got it got a fourth season right away. I think it was the fourth season. What was Hulu? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Fourth or so, fifth. Yeah. So it was picked, like, but there was no break. There was not, like, a year or, year or two in between. No. Whereas now it's been five years since Chuck did a finale. So it's, I think it's becoming less and less of a of a reality. But if it was, like, you know, if the finale aired in, like, January of 2012, and then it was picked up by Netflix or whatever, and then came back in the fall or the next spring, that'd be okay. But I think now it's too much. Too, yeah, like, too much time has passed. I don't think it needed to be picked up again because I do think that it ended on a really strong note and on its own terms, which was which is so yeah. rare for shows nowadays. Like both it I remember it and Fringe, which which were shows that I was really into at the time, were struggling for each season for so long, but they actually both got to end on their own terms. Yeah. Um and I Oh, go ahead. I was just to say I also meant like in the midst of its it's airing. Mm. If in season three, in NBC what was okay would have been okay with letting it go, and Netflix picked up the last two seasons or whatever. Like that could have also been a thing if that was a thing at the time. But I think that, like like you guys said, I I, I love the finale, and I think that more isn't necessarily best. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let's um. I think we talked a little bit about how why we love Chuck. Although I do want to say I. I didn't watch a lot of the fourth and actually just the fourth season. I skipped a lot of the fourth season. And I still haven't watched most of those most of those episodes because uh, I felt like it kind of went off the rails or like there was a sort of drop in quality for me in the fourth season. I really love the show, 
but I think this was after Chuck started his own agency, like a private spy no, that agency. Was the fifth season. Okay. Then that's when it got better. I don't know what happened the fourth, in the fourth season. The fourth, the fourth was with Volkov. Oh, Volkov. I remember now. Um, and the whole thing with Volkov and yeah. his family. Yeah. Uh, that, I, I definitely agree that the fourth is probably the weakest season. Yeah. I think the, the second is the strongest. Oh, the second um, is the best. And the fifth is definitely the most emotional because it was, every, you know, they're just wrapping up everything. Um, and the third is a weird beast because the third, as well as the fourth were given episode orders. They started writing the scripts, and then they were given an extension for more episodes. And so the third and fourth season both have these weird half-plots, like kind of like what Once Upon a Time does, but they weren't really preparing to do that. But that happens with a lot of shows. True, but I think it's very apparent with Chuck. Um, you yeah. can get a sense of when they have their mid-season finale before mid-season finales were a thing. Mm. And you can tell that where what they were trying to do as a season, possible even series finale, and then they pick up next week with a new plot that leads into the that leads from the the following episode. But it's definitely like a new thing is happening. So like with the third season, you had Brandon Brandon Routh's character going from being like all American hero to turncoat, and then Chuck. Um, are we doing spoilers? Well, I think we've already spoiled quite a bit of the show, so... Yeah. Yes. This is so, like a five-year-old show. I think we can do spoilers. <laughs> I know. So Brennan Routh's character is apparently shot dead by Chuck at the at the mid-season finale of it, season three. Turns out he's still alive. Chuck's having intersect issues. His dad's come back into his life and trying to get intersect 2.0 up to running again. And uh, basically uses a smartwatch to fix it before smartwatches were a thing. <laughs> this show is very innovative, guys. I love this show. <laughs> um, and so you get Brandon Routh coming back as the villain in the third season finale. There's this epic fight that happens between Bon jo- with Bon Jovi's Blaze of Glory playing in the background, performed by the uh, ever-great Jeffster, uh, <laughs> the band with Jeff and Lester. Um, and... So, and then in the fourth season, you get the Volkov, like, where the first part of the fourth season was about Volkov himself, and then the second half is his daughter becomes a bad guy and ends up poisoning Sarah before a wedding. Um, Was that Carrie Ann Moss? No. No. No, Carrie Ann Moss was was, uh, Casey's love interest in season five. Yes, I remember that. Um, And then Linda Hamilton was Chuck's mom. That was another plot point. Uh was discovering who Chuck's mom was and that she worked for Volkov. So, like, these half-plots kind of worked well. I think it worked better in Season 3 than it did for Season 4. Um, but I think overall, I think, you know, this show prides itself on its characters more so than plot. They're always It's always fun to see them interact with each other. The Bymore nerd-herd crew and, like, the spy world like Chuck always grappled those two worlds and it was fun to see them interacting by season five yeah, yeah. the characters are really where this show's heart is they yeah are. I agree they're really fun but, like sometimes especially Jeffster they can become a little bit cartoonish and over the top I did think that like towards the end they were over utilizing Jeffster quite a bit and I was just like okay slow down <laughs> the antics guys <laughs> yeah there was a lot of a lot of Jeffster antics but happening. I really liked um I do will say I will say that Morgan was always so good um let's talk about 
Anya's Bay. Yeah. Morgan Anya's Grimes. Bay. Morgan, Morgan Grimes was my favorite character on that yeah, show. Like, I love it. Yeah. Morgan is super. I mean, I always I always go for sidekicks. Mm-hmm. Like heroic sidekicks, like Ron Weasley, Eolus and Hercules. <laughs> um sidekicks have always been my thing, and Morgan was just so wonderful and so much fun. And I just really loved Morgan. A yeah. lot. He was my favorite. But, I mean, all the characters were so great. That's what I liked about the show. You had Awesome and Ellie, who were wonderful. And Captain Awesome. I love that I guy. mean, Chuck, Sarah, and Casey. Like, everyone was just so wonderful. I do want to say, I forgot that Brown and Ralph was in this show, and I'm so glad Brandon Ralph is, like, still a thing, because Brandon Ralph is great. People don't yeah. talk enough about let's, how great Brandon Ralph is. Let's talk about the, the weird career of Brandon Ralph. In which he starts off by playing by being a soap opera actor for like a, year, a couple of years, gets picked up to play Superman in like the and biggest Super- blockbuster in the in like the re- little return of Superman to the big screen in Superman Returns mm-hmm. in two thousand and six. The movie is panned. It even though do it's well. not that bad. It's, it's not as bad. Not as, that bad. Yeah, it's not bad. I and Brandon Ralph Superman is great. He's and a that's great the thing. Superman. Brandon Routh is a great Superman in a mediocre movie. Yeah. And medi- mediocre in the sense that it's it's good. It's 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 not great. It's fine. I wouldn't it has a weird it has that it has a third act issue that all superhero movies have. Mm-hmm. Um it's more apparent in this mo- in Superman Returns. But he's you know, he's a good Superman. And then he kind of gets goes away for a while and then comes back in 2009 with Chuck as the oh, what's his name in the Shaw his name right. is Shaw in mm-hmm. the show and he's like this cool ass spy and they introduce him in the third season he's a he's a new love interest for Sarah um, you know this is before Chuck and Sarah actually get together and you know and then he finds out that Sarah ended up being the one to kill his wife that was her like her kill, her kill job, like her her red, uh, what's it called? Her red test to see if she's like if she can actually kill someone for the CIA, and she does, and she kills Brandon Routh's wife, but he doesn't know it, and she doesn't know who he was, who or who she was. She was just a mark, and then uh, all hell breaks loose, and then he, and then a couple years ago, you know, he Chuck ends, and and then. He's in Legends of Tomorrow as... Well, he's, he's on he Arrow plays, first. He was on Arrow. He played Ray Palmer. And he he was creating the Atom suit. And then he now he's on Legends of Tomorrow. He's yeah. a superhero. He's Which is the best... Out. I need to just shout out this. Legends of Tomorrow is the best CW superhero show. It's currently better than Flash, Supergirl, and Arrow. I also... Who would have thought? Point. Also, uh, one of the showrunners of Chuck, Chris Vidak, is a producer on Legends of Tomorrow. There you go. Yep. That makes sense. And Josh Schwartz is it, who uh, is the other showrunner. While we're talking about showrunners, um, was also a producer on the uh, was a showrunner on the OC, and then he was um, and Gossip Girl, and now he's doing a uh, Hulu series, right? With for Marvel. No idea. I don't know. Um, hold on, I'm looking this up. But yeah, I will say that Brandon Routh has like has carved himself a nice niche for in the superhero sci-fi genre now. Kind of like the nerdy stunt casting genre. Um, which is yes. good. He does well. I completely so, agree. Mm-hmm. Josh Schwartz is one of the co-showrunners of The Runaways, which is Hulu's oh. new Marvel show. Okay. So, 
Ooh. So he, they're both doing nerdy things for Marvel and DC, respectively. Speaking of nerdy things, I wanted to talk about one of my favorite aspects of Chuck, which was the stunt casting. Um, so Brandon Routh was one of those such stunt casting moments, um, but the show has had actors and actresses such as um, Jordana Brewster, who was in the Fast and Furious franchise. Uh, she played Chuck's college girlfriend and a spy. For the bad guys. For the bad guys. Um, and there was Summer Glau in a brief cameo who uh, was first in Firefly. Um, and she appeared as a spy in Chuck, who had to work at the Bime War, too. I thought it was always hilarious that no matter what, whoever, whichever spy worked with Chuck had to work at the Bymore, um, too, and just, like, put on the whole Bymore outfit and just work at the IT desk, like, for no reason. Yeah. Like, they didn't have to, but they did anyways. Or, um, the Old Spice guy, who was, yeah. who worked yes. for the, he, he wore a green shirt instead mm-hmm. of a, he wasn't, he, he was basically, I think he, and he was a spy too. I think he was on the same time as Summer Glau, and yeah. they were like spies to replace Chuck. I think for they were candidates for a new intersect, mm. um, and so they were working with Chuck to see like what day to day life is. And yeah, the old spice guy was uh, back when the old spice guy was <laughs> was a thing. thing. Yeah, what um, they, re- um, they reunited Summer Glau and Adam Baldwin, who were both on Firefly together. Wasn't yep. Timothy Dalton in the show? He was Volkov. Yep, he yeah. was Volkov. He was the, Timothy he was Dalton is so great, guys. I love him. He's so good. He was good. Um, of course, Linda, ha- Linda Hamilton, who played Chuck's mother, she was a big um, stunt casting, you know, Terminator. Um, oh. Uh, oh, Bruce Boxliner, was, uh, who was in Tron, who played Tron, was Captain Awesome's dad. Another one, I can't believe I'm forgetting who this was, um, Quantum Leap. Scott Bakula. Oh, Scott Bakula. Who played uh, Chuck's father. Chuck's dad. Yeah. Uh, who was also in Star Star Trek Enterprise mm-hmm. as the fore- forerunner to Captain Kirk. Yeah. So there was a lot of geek cred going into this show, and it was obvious the showrunners and the cast were all huge nerds. Well, maybe not um, some of the cast. Like, I feel like Yvonne Schaposky was just there and not really... Caring so much about the sun casting, but you know, Zachary Le- Levi and a lot of the showrunners were definitely very into the nerd world. Um, so that really added to the whole tone of the show, which was just loving sci-fi and loving geeks. Um, because it was established right off that Chuck himself was a huge nerd. Um, yeah. He had like along with Morgan, like they were nerd nerds in crime. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, like the whole premise of the show was, but what if a nerd? Um, who loves sci-fi becomes a spy and they really leaned into that and really just like upped their sci-fi and geek ante which is why I was so beloved in the whole geek community yeah iconic moment from the end of season 2 when he gets the intersect 2.0 and he has a matrix moment and he goes guys I know kung fu and that ended the show yep or the the the, 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 the season mm-hmm. and then season 3 picks up with him like doing you know trying to uh, get a uh, a hang of his new abilities, and it be- really became a Matrix moment. I really so. just appreciate just, like, how earnest this show was, especially, like, in that regard. Like, it was earnest mm-hmm. in its characters and its positivity and stuff, but I also really appreciate just how earnest it was about, like, nerdiness, and it's another example, like, community in, like, how you embrace this community, as opposed to what Big Bang Theory does. And so, like, you uh, have shows yes. like Chuck and Community, and they're just really great examples of how to kind of, like, 
embrace his community and like wrap it into their storyline and I just really appreciate that Chuck was had such a good heart basically that's what makes Chuck a great show it was such a wholesome show it was I agree with that um you know uh inconsistencies and its quality from season to season regardless it was a really just lovely fun show to watch and definitely like it was fun to see you know that same level of fandom that we as superhero and sci-fi nerds have for those kind of things see that on the screen in Chuck and like see kind of have that sort of uh, dialogue with them so yeah. yeah I think I think you know people watch Big Bang Theory who are also nerds and geeks and they like it but I don't think that Big Bang Theory just doesn't do a good job of showcasing it you know it it, it makes fun exactly. of nerds it, it, and, mm-hmm. and you know even though all the main characters are nerds they're not treated like human beings. Well, that's the difference is Big Bang Theory and laughs at you, Community and Chuck laugh with you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. the nerds are the punchlines in Big like Bang Theory. Jo- like, the showrunners and the writers are all nerds, um, and the, and Zachary Levi is a huge nerd, and um, I forget his actual name, but Morgan Grimes' character, I think his actor, um, is also a nerd. Like, they're all, like, you know, Adam Baldwin has a Firefly credit. You know, they all are some form of geek history is, is involved. It's almost like, um, like a, a accumulation of everything that, that had come before. Like Christopher Christopher Lloyd played a psychiatrist and, on the show in season three, I think. So like, and they had the DeLorean in season one, like or no season two. So like, there's geek shows, geek stuff throughout the entire series like up until the finale so that's a, that's a, one of the main reasons I also love the show so much is that it embraces nerd culture without with being very respectful to it it doesn't make fun of it I mean it makes fun of the characters because they're quirky like Jeff and Lester are huge nerds but they're also like more amoral people <laughs> but so, you know like they, you, you, you know you get that great episode in season two where Jeff used to be like a big time um, uh, missile command uh, superstar in video games, and then he fails out and becomes just a, like he drinks too much, and you know something's up with him. Like he doesn't have a good life anymore. And then there's a really good episode where he where he gets like some credit again in his life and so there's human growth of these characters and they're not just arch- stereotypes the entire show you know, they really develop and they're humans and they're nerds I have yeah. to give Chuck a shout out because um, this was back when Anya was like super involved in fandom stuff on LiveJournal um, mm. little baby Anya and all her fandoms and Chuck taught me the beauty of what's called multi-shipping which is mm. where you have numerous ships involving was... the same characters. Chuck was the first time I ever heard the term ship. Yes, because like I had never heard Chuck of that and before. Sarah were the OTP or one true pairing. But I also shipped, and shipping is basically like a relationship. You like want two people to be together in a relationship. That's what shipping is. Like, yeah, like you're cheering. Yeah, you're cheering and so along. Chuck taught me the beauty of multi shipping because you had Chuck and Sarah who were great. But I also shipped, 
Sarah with Casey. I was a huge Casey and Sarah shipper. And so, yes. Really? Yes. Like romantically? Oh, yeah. I was so into it. Really? Oh, yes. Baby Anya really? was super into Casey and Sarah. It was like a thing for me. There was like a whole backstory. I was like into it. They were partners. They would like defend each other in battle. They would die for each other. I was like all about Casey and Sarah. If you look at my Chuck tag on my Tumblr, you will see it. It is still there on my Tumblr. Oh my Go. God. Really? Casey? Yes. I felt like they never really had oh, much chemistry. No. Oh, of, no. Aside oh, from no. the platonic chemistry. I was so into it. I loved Casey. Oh was also one of my favorite characters in the show. Um, I really liked Casey oh, he's great. a lot, and Casey and Sarah especially, their bond was one of my favorite relationships on the entire show. And I like I loved them as partners and as friends, but there were times where I was just like, okay, now kiss. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited to like reveal this to you guys. I was so excited for your reaction. This is so great. I love this. Willoughby's <laughs> is like of sort of horror. So yeah, so Chuck and Sarah ones, are like, like canon ship and Casey and Sarah are my fanon ship. Fanon is but, your fan canon. Yeah, it's not actually canon. It's like the, the fans. Like it's their yeah, yeah. what they dig. I watched this show for five years and I've rewatched a lot of episodes since then. It never once occurred to me to think of those two people in a romantic <laughs> And it's funny because a lot of my friends have been doing that's probably how I like noticed it is we all talked about it and stuff and it's like obviously really? like I'm cool with Chuck and Sarah and like I appreciate Casey and Sarah's relationship for what it is like in canon um I just was always like alright now make out Will be so horrified this is so right great I'm so glad I could throw like a plot twist into this episode this is something that was yeah I don't understand your your um, reasoning at all I'm sure like later you will send me tons of gift sets of moments in which Sarah and Casey locked eyes or something and had like oh a deep stare but oh I don't I yeah don't just go it. check out I my Chuck Chuck on my Sarah OTP. It's, it's one of those things mm-hmm. where it's like yeah it's obviously not canon it was never written in that way mm-hmm. and I totally get that um, and I liked them for what they were. It wasn't like they never. But like it. I, yeah, it was never even like a potential. Well, it was just something that like we saw, and we liked. We liked the bond that they had, and we could see it. Like, I mean, they were they exactly. worked well together. I liked that the they had a good you they know, had a good working relationship. But I understand where you're coming. I from. I could never see them ever hanging out. I understand where you're coming from from a fan inside, um, Anya. But this is. For me, for another show, for Avatar: The Last Airbender, no, no, hardcore no. Zutara fan. That's different. That's yes. different. Zuko no. and Katara. That was actually baited by the writers. I hated yeah. Aang and Katara. I hated that but, at the end. They they went. They got together because it made Katara into a prize. And that's not fine. But I love arc. Zuko and May. My. Mm-mm, May. 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 I love Zuko like and that May. At all. I, was, I, I loved them. Similar. I thought they were perfect Zuko together. Zuko and Katara is so good. Fire and water, and they had such chemistry. I know they were animated characters, but Anya, they had more chemistry in in that in their few scenes together than like real life people have had on um, in a TV show, for example, like Sarah and Casey. Okay, so this is the thing. <laughs> that the writers, there was like a pop-up video, like little like fun fact that they when they re-aired Avatar, they were like, did little fun facts. And they said, like, the writers initially almost had 
you know, Katara and Zuko come come together. So, like, there were the writers were doing that, which is a different story. Than yeah, Sarah Theron Casey's movie. Canon. I don't think they ever planned. This is her own. This is her own opinion. But yes, this is her. But like, but, but I think that yeah, I think that those are two different beasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, th- Theron Casey's totally just canon. I'm, I just I'm want to never even in the show at all. I just want to talk about money. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about my own. OTP that could have been. Yeah, but like, and this is like, this <laughs> is like, this is the beauty of multi shipping, and this is the beauty of fandom, is that you discover these things. It's great. I do want to jump off of that and say that Chuck and Sarah were so great, but I didn't like how, towards the later seasons, their chemistry sort of fizzled, and Agreed. I don't really know why. I don't, I, yeah, like, be. they stopped having passionate makeout scenes and I don't know if that was the reason but every time they kissed it was like a little peck and I was just like where's all the chemistry from the first three seasons what happened and like mm. you know they would they would have little little spy couple moments or like little bickering um, cute old couple married moments but I never really found that they were quite as magnetic as they were in the first three seasons and it was very strange to me I'm like I don't know what happened did like they fight did like I mean like the actors fight or something and I was like I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I definitely agree that there's a change in tone of their relationship, obviously, once they got together. Mm-hmm. But, like, maybe the writers were just better at writing the will-they-won't-they they than the... That might be. Than, than the they-are. It's always the problem yeah, but it was such a couples. strange shift. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I that's what I assumed, too. But it was such a strange, like, immediate shift that I thought it was very... It was very uh, odd for me. Anyways, I miss early Do you know season what's funny? They were so sweet. I think I started shipping Casey and Sarah when that happened. Wait, this makes oh. sense because I mostly shipped Casey and Sarah in the later seasons. Oh, this interesting. Is, I wonder if that's part of it. <laughs> now do you have a whole backstory where Sarah and Casey are having an illicit love affair? Yes. Guys, we should do like a Chuck TV book club rewatch where we like send ourselves our thoughts about this. Because <laughs> this, cha- this completely changes... Everything. I also really liked Morgan not and Sarah. That I'm like a, not that I'm for it, just like I never thought of it. No, and you're not supposed to. Like, the show doesn't give you any of that. It's just a fandom thing. It's just fans yeah, looking right. at these two Which characters and Chuck... saying... But if enough fans are yeah. thinking of it... Which is what Chuck is at its core. There. It's about fandom. I feel like yeah. Chuck is one of the best examples. Like, it embodies best fandom. They have, a, fandom. A, they have a Comic-Con poster in Chuck's bedroom basically as, like, a, in honor of all the Comic-Cons that they were able to get panels for, and all the fans... I was at their very last Comic-Con panel. Aww. I was there. I watched I was there YouTube for their very last one. They posted it. It was really oh. cute. I was really... It was one of the best panels. That was my first Comic-Con. And it was one of the best panels I saw. They were really great. That's so sweet. Aww. Zachary Levi threw out t-shirts to the crowd, and I got one. Oh my gosh. Nice. I still have my Chuck t-shirt, my buy more t-shirt. Willoughby got it for me for Christmas, That's actually. Awesome. See, Chuck yeah. brings people together. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. It is. Even Casey and Sarah. Um, and I got, I got, even I got Casey the same, Sarah. I, will I had say, the same t-shirt from, I got it for graduation the year, year, year six months earlier. I will say, Anya, I think that Sarah and Morgan had more chemistry than Casey and Sarah. It's funny because I really love Sarah and Morgan's friendship. I, like, Sarah and Morgan's uh-huh. friendship was one of my favorite aspects of the show. Like, when they started becoming friends, I really friendship. loved that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a canon thing. 
Like when and I like that. Um, it's yeah, it's hard to explain the Casey and Sarah thing. It's just a yeah. See, if I had a out of left field ship, it might be Sarah and Morgan because like I could see that they had like a really interesting dynamic where he was just so quirky and off putting that it just charmed her. And she just kind of became more open and free after when she hung Although out. Although, isn't that somewhat whole, similar like, to Chuck and Sarah? Yeah, that might be why I like that, it. <laughs> that's the whole dynamic is that yeah. Chuck becomes more more assertive of himself, more confident, mm-hmm. and Sarah becomes more warm. Yeah, Chuck was well, Zachary Levi in general is just more leading man material. That's what we were talking about before. I had a crush on him for a lot. I think a lot of people Chuck. did. I was like, man, yeah. Yeah. Especially when he cut his hair. Yeah, the haircutting was like A plus. Exactly, Levi. Yeah. It's very nice. Good move. Also to to show his maturity as a character. But also that his curls weren't hiding his beautiful face. (laughs) So, uh, to wrap up our discussion on Chuck, do you guys have any last words that you would like to say in appreciation of this wonderful little nerdy show? I think Willoughby should take us out. Mm-hmm. The show, come you know, like every TV show on the planet is about a white guy, and that's a problem because there should be more diversity. But for me, I connected with the character of Chuck very much. So it took the watching the show took me from middle of high school to the middle of college, very transitional period of time in my life. And Chuck was the only one of the only stable things, and so I watched that show like it was like it, like the the next episode was going to be the last, and so I really fell in love with it and and connected with Ch- Chuck as a character, and you know I you know they the the from the very beginning the plot of it is you know I'm working on my five the a line is I'm working on my five year plan I'm just you know, looking for a font, and you know that's kind of described that described my life for a while. It's like I'm, you know, I'm still working on it, but I'm not really working on it. And now I've grown as a person. I'm in a very great relationship, and still as nerdy as ever. And so, you know, like Chuck just means a, like a whole hell of a lot. And I'm so glad that it exists as a show. It's it's more than comfort food. It's basically like Anya, your show, favorite show of all time is Parks and Recreation. My second favorite show of all time is Parks and Recreation, but Chuck takes the cake every every time. And, like, I cried at the finale. I cry every time at the finale. You know, if I ever want to just, like, let loose, I'll watch those last five minutes. Someone posted the YouTube clip of it, and I have it bookmarked. Like, it's so cathartic and so wonderful and the show is so good like it's good like capital g good and i'm so glad it exists and everyone should buy the blu-rays because it's not on netflix anymore um and so or the dvds like so go go out and watch it and appreciate that a show as wholesome and funny and action-oriented and romantic and dramatic can exist. That was beautiful. That was beautiful, Willoughby. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. 
Anya, why don't you go first this week? What do you really like? So, mine's an oldie but goodie. I really like, you know, when you kind of, like, not rediscover, but you just kind of, like, listen or watch something that you haven't listened or watched in a while, but that you really love, and when you do it again, you kind of realize all the love for it comes back, you know? So lately I've been listening to the soundtrack to Legally Blonde the Musical, which is one of my favorite musicals of all time. Um, I've seen it on Broadway, and I've seen it on tour, and it's just one of those things that is always instantly able to kind of just make me happy and pick up my spirits. And so recently I've gone back and I've listened to it. Um, I've been listening to it, like, nonstop for the last couple weeks, actually. I know every line in this musical. Like, you can play any song and I can just sing it all the way through. I just love it so much. And so I'm just really liking kind of those things that, you know, you end up really liking and you can go back to them years later and you still love them just as much and they're part of you and they just bring you so much joy after all this time and even if you haven't seen it or read it or listened to it in a while and you still know it like the back of your hand. So... I'm really liking kind of rediscovering the things that I love, and Legally Blonde the Musical is at the top of that list right now. Yay! I still need to watch that musical at some point to see it. You can watch all of it on YouTube because they, uh, MTV, well, so when it was on Broadway, um, MTV did a, uh, like a screening of it. Like there was a whole official thing, MTV came in, and they did the whole performance of the musical, and MTV filmed it. And, like, in commercial breaks and stuff, the cast would, like, talk about the show and whatnot, and it was, like, this whole big thing. But the whole thing's, like, on YouTube now, so it's, like, you know, professionally shot by MTV, and so you can go watch all of it on YouTube. And it's really fun. One of my favorite Broadway actors of all time, Christian Borrell, played Emmett in the original cast, and that's where I first discovered Christian Borrell. Mm -hmm. And I really love him. And the whole musical's just so much fun. You know, they have a song for bend and snap and they have they, there's a whole song dedicated to um the pool boy oh yeah. you know when he you know when they just when l discovers that he's gay mm-hmm. and there's a whole song and it's <laughs> it's gay or european oh my god and it's the whole legal team being like is he gay or european <laughs> and it's really funny and and it's still just as like feminist and kick-ass as the movie mm-hmm. and it's just a really wonderful musical, so you should definitely go watch it on YouTube because it's so much fun. Okay. Uh, so, why don't you tell us you really like Willoughby? Okay. Um, mine is American Gods. Um, yes. At the time of this recording, they had released the first episode prior to the actual airing of it on demand. They released it on demand or on the Stars app, and I watched it before recording this. And. It's so aesthetically pleasing and cinematically gorgeous and so true to the book that I'm so excited for for this show. It's, you know, we've talked about it before. Anya, you saw it at South by Southwest. Um, You've heard Neil Gaiman speak about it. And I think we've all read the book. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. and, you know, the, 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 the show starts out with like the same narration that that Shadow has in the book, it's so fun and like it's totally not as cartoonish as people are thinking it is, mm-hmm. or what HD you, what you might have thought it. Well, I didn't think or, like cartoonish, but I thought it would be stylistically it looked very pulpy. 
The prologue does. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first saw it, the prologue. It the prologue feels more stars than Brian Fuller. Yeah. Yeah. And then once you get past the prologue, Brian Fuller starts coming into it, and it's like less pulpy stars. Okay. But the prologue is that. So just like keep that in mind. All right. Yeah. Just like yeah, the prologue is actually a story that they show that's in the book, but they put it first. Mm-hmm. It's the yeah. Vikings uh, story. Okay. Um, and. The scene with Bilquis is in the episode. Like you know, people thought, people thought that, that that wouldn't make it in because it's a very, you know, very TVMA mm-hmm. uh, uh, scene. Uh, and they... It's very tastefully done. Very, um, very well shot. And the whole show is very well shot and very well acted. Ricky Whittle gives a great performance as Shadow... Um, Ian McShane is Mr. Wednesday, and he's a lot less annoying than I thought he'd be, um, which is great, um, because I thought, I thought he would be, like, he's very charming, Mm -hmm. which I think is, you know, Mr. Wednesday needs to be charming, and I thought, from the ads, it looked like all he speaks is in, like, idioms, Mm. and that's not the case, like, he actually has real dialogue, he talks a lot more than Shadow does, like, every character, um, but... You know, I, I was like, I'm in it. I'm in this. You know, like I like this guy. You know, and he's th- their interactions are what's basically centered the the show, the at least the first episode around. Um, so I'm really liking American Gods, guys. It's kind of a great aesthetic. Can I, I just some... say real quick how uh, how blessed we are that we have shows like American Gods and Handmaid's Tale, which are able to like cut through all the peak TV and like rise above it, but also the fact that they are eligible for the Emmys this year, and Game of Thrones is not. Wait, Game of Thrones is I'm not? I'm so It doesn't come pumped. back until yeah, July. Yeah, because Game of Thrones doesn't come back until July, and the cutoff for the Emmys is May 31st. Oh, that's hilarious. Nice. I'm I'm a little disappointed, because like, I would have loved to actually see Game of Thrones lose <laughs> to one of these shows, like instead of just not be eligible, mm-hmm. but like the fact that it won't even be there is... Ugh, it's going to be the best Emmys ever, you yeah. guys. Um, I'm so excited. I do also, also like... Oh, I was going to say, Anya, was blessed a pun? Are you, did you mean to say blessed? Hashtag blessed. <laughs> in, in, in both kind of the religious, I mean, uh, religious aspects of both shows are very different, but, you know, they say both very, a lot of themes, a lot of themes. I do want to say that both shows, um, despite being based off of books that are, that precede this current ta- political climate, are quite politically relevant and um, have really great commentary on the issues like uh, immigration and um, for American gods and like um, feminism and, and oppression of women and uh, LGBT oppression as well for Handmaid's Tale. So good on streaming services and cable and prestige TV and peak TV. It's all it's all on the up and up. Yes. So HT. What is your really like for the week? So, I'm going to stay on brand for myself. My really like is that G-Dragon from the K-pop boy band Big Bang is, embark- is embarking on a world tour uh, starting next month. And he will be coming to New York City 
in July, and oh. I'm getting tickets. And it's yeah, you gonna are. Be great. And I'm so excited. And he also has a new album coming out, his third solo album. Oh, I'm so excited. It's gonna be so amazing. <sighs> Gosh, I'm like, I love T Dragon. He's my favorite member of Big Bang. And he's probably going to enlist in the military after he finishes his world tour and uh, finishes promoting his album, which is fine because I know what's going to happen. And I already saw after this, I'll have seen both Big Bang and G-Dragon in concert before they enlist in the mandatory military service for South Korea. And I'm really hoping, actually, that after when he enlists, that the rest of the members of Big Bang all enlist at the same time so I can see them all reunite in three years instead of seven years because they were going to stagger it and if they just enlist now all together then I can see them sooner and I'm so excited for G-Dragon so I'm going Yay! with my friend Christina and um, my friend Elise who guested on this podcast uh, will be going up as well so we're all going to be in a big group to see G-Dragon and bask in his glory and over the top antics and fashion I'm so excited Awesome. So that is our episode, guys. If you guys have any thoughts on Chuck or American Gods or Legally Blonde the Musical and rediscovering things you love or G-Dragon and Big Bang by extension, definitely come chat with us. And where can they do that, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you search for us on Facebook. We're also on Twitter at Falcon Podcast or on SoundCloud. We're also on iTunes and Google Play where you can rate, review, and subscribe to us there. And where can they find you guys? You can find me at HTranBui on Twitter. You can find me at Anya Crittenden on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.